Welcome to Desirability Alt, where we'll explore the intersections of disability, desire, and alternative relationships. I'm your host, Angela Carr. This podcast is intended for an adult audience who identifies with or is curious about alternative relationships, including kink, BDSM, non-monogamy, total power exchange, and more. This content is not suitable for those under the age of 18. Get ready, listen by yourself, or gather with your partners and enjoy this episode. Welcome back to episode 17. In today's episode, I thought we'd talk a little bit about our relationships, our total power exchange relationships, getting through 2020, and the holiday season. So I've been avoiding talking about 2020 and COVID. And I think I've been doing that because I want to give my listeners something new and something positive to focus on during this time. But I can't deny that a lot of us are struggling during this year. And our relationships can struggle. And I want to keep us, I want to keep things real. I want to be positive, but I want to be real. And admit to the fact that this year is just so hard. Particularly now as we're coming into the holidays. And you know, we... It's good to stay positive, but we also need to voice when things are in trouble or things are going wrong. And, you know, holidays and family issues can be hard anytime. uh, But I think especially this year, it's particularly difficult. So I'll let you know where I stand with this. My Thanksgiving was really hard. And my Sarah decided that we weren't going to be traveling this year to anyone else's house for Thanksgiving. And now we've also, he has also decided we're not going to travel for Christmas. We're going to stay home just like we did for Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving was nice. We had a virtual meeting in the morning with his family Then we had a dinner, our Thanksgiving dinner with his family, and I asked him sort of last minute if we could have a virtual get-together with my family that evening. And he was upset because I came to him with this kind of late. My sir likes things planned out, and so he wasn't happy, but I ended up being willful. And that's concerning. I ended up being willful because I knew that my family members were each alone. And I wanted to reach out. That, you know, originally I thought my other family members were going to be together. And it turns out they were not. So I felt like I wanted to at least have some connection with my family. 
And so Sarah agreed to it, but he wasn't happy about it. He wasn't happy about the last minute planning, which I know is something I need to work on. And I'm not really happy that I was willful. I seem to think that the only times I really get willful with my Sarah is when it has to do with my cats or my family. That seems to be when I take my will back or when I will disagree with him or disobey him. You know, there have been those rare moments. Happily, it is rare. Um, but there are those times. And these relationships in this year and dealing with holidays and family is really difficult. So I had planned something with my family after our dinner. We were running late for our dinner. Our, the turkey wasn't done yet. We were both stressing out. We were having our disagreement. And then we had to get on Zoom with his family. And then we had to pretend that everything was good and we were happy and, you know, happy Thanksgiving. And so it was really hard. And I got to be honest with you, I think even in any year, this time of year is really hard for me. I deal with depression and anxiety. I also don't get along with everyone in my family. There's family dynamic issues. And it's a really hard time of year for me in general. I also can be very codependent and I have a hard time saying no to people. And people expect a lot of us at the holidays. I often say that Halloween is my favorite holiday and I think it's because it's just fun. You get to dress up, you know, we have parties and get togethers, but there's not that obligation to see all of your family and obligation to see people who may not be healthy for us to be around. And there's not that obligation to buy gifts and you know, think about how much money we can spend. I think that's a big reason why I don't like Christmas. My family we and I, we celebrate Christmas. I like the religious and spiritual aspect to Christmas. I, I go to church year-round. I'm actually very involved with my church, with pe which people think is funny when they hear that because uh, being kinky, they think that I wouldn't be involved in church or that I wouldn't be religious and I am and I'll have another episode where I talk more about my spirituality but what I don't like about Christmas is the commercialism is the expectation that we're going to buy something for somebody else I actually had a really nice week last week so my brother who I love dearly, he's much younger than me, made an offer to me. I, I broke my phone during the week, and so I had to get a new phone, and I was planning on just getting the same type of phone that I have now because of finances. My brother offered to buy me a new phone for my birthday and Christmas. And I just thought, wow. Um, it was so generous of him 
And sir almost did not want me to accept that gift. Sir said it's too much. And I said, you know what? I feel like not accepting the gift could be an insult. You know, we can look at it in a couple of different ways, right? One of the things that reasons I might not want to accept the gift is because it's too much money and because, you know, he's much younger than me and he's just getting his life together and can he afford it? Now, I, of course, asked my brother if he could afford it and he said yes. And I know that my brother is in a really good job, really good field right now. And he does seem to be doing well. So who am I to question if he can buy me that gift or not. I feel like not accepting it would be insulting him. And it would hurt our relationship as siblings. So Sarah agreed that he would let my brother buy that phone for me. Now, that also can put us in another strange feeling of, oh, but we only got this for him. You know, we only got like a $30 gift for him. And you know what? That's okay. My brother knows that I'm on disability. My brother knows my financial situation for the most part. I don't think he's expecting anything. My brother's not expecting anything extra from me because of this gift. It's a gift. And I kind of wish people looked at Christmas that way. Christmas, Hanukkah gifts, whatever religion you celebrate. I wish people looked at the holiday season like this. Like you give what you can. You don't go, don't go into debt because you're trying to buy Christmas presents. Don't go into debt because you're trying to buy presents for people. Do what you can afford. Handmade gifts. Handmade gifts are the best. And I do actually crochet. I love to crochet and I also do loom knitting. And I've given my family all sorts of handmade gifts. And you know what? They still have those gifts. Or they might not, they might not have the gifts that I've given to them that I've bought in stores, but they still have those handmade gifts that I've given to them over the years. I think sometimes that's appreciated so much more. So Christmas is going to be hard too. Christmas, we are also going to be staying home. We're going to be doing it virtually. I am grateful that my family has learned how to do Zoom and we'll be able to do that. I'm not looking forward to telling my family that we're also not going to see you for Christmas. That's going to be really hard. And I know how I am with being able to say no to people is really hard for me. So I'm looking at this as sort of a learning experience. In March of 2020, my Sarah and I were both home. Sarah had lost his job for about three months. Well, he didn't lose his job. He couldn't work because of the pandemic. The place he worked at closed down for three months. So he was able to return to work uh, once they opened again. 
But that left three months for us to just be together. And I know that there are couples, there are partners out there that are in... I know that there are folks out there in long-distance relationships that have not had a chance to see their partners. There are folks in DS relations that haven't been able to see their partners in person. How do you manage having a long-distance DS relationship? I'd love to hear from folks about that. For us, we found we were around each other so much that we were going to separate rooms trying to find our own individual time. And it was really a struggle for us because, you know, at the end of the day, usually, Sarah would come home from work and I get to say, how was your day? And we talk about what happened to each of us during the day. When we're together all day long, it felt like there was no communication. It felt like we didn't have much to say to each other because we were around each other all day and we knew what happened in the other's day. So our communication really struggled. Really seemed to dwindle. We were watching a lot more TV. We were doing a lot more things separately as individuals. And so we really had to work at maintaining our dynamic during that time. What things could we do to improve our relationship during this time? And that's a very DS, MS type of thing to do, to think about, okay, here's an issue. How are we going to improve it? So we started doing some things together, like cooking together. My sir and I both started doing individual activities that we enjoy separately. And then we had some things that we liked to do together that we tried to start doing together. Anything that we could to spend some quality time together, not just spend all day in front of the TV. And that helped. You know, I, I wrote a blog post about relationships in 2020 and the effect of our social distancing on our relationships. I think it's hard for everybody right now. One of the things that helped us was staying active in the lifestyle, continuing to go to mass meetings that were held virtually, continuing to stay in contact with our mentors and our friends in the lifestyle, even if that was just a Zoom chat. It helped keep us connected. Our intimacy suffered. I feel like we weren't as intimate physically or emotionally during this time. What other things have you done to improve your relationship 
during this time of social distancing. I think this is where our DS rituals and protocols really help us. Sometimes I wonder how much more difficult things would be if we were a vanilla couple. Because for me, our rituals keep me grounded. Every night he puts me to bed at 10 o'clock and we have a ritual that we do when he tucks me into bed. I take off his shoes when he comes home from work. I make his coffee in the morning. Just those little things help us get through the day and make me feel peaceful. Even with all the chaos that's going on with our families, with work, with the world right now. So I'm grateful for that. The holidays are really hard for me, no matter what year it is. I will always, unfortunately, associate the holidays with grief. My husband was in the process of dying in 2015. In the holidays, he was in the hospital. So I remember going and visiting him at Christmas time. My grandmother got sick a few years ago. While preparing Christmas dinner, she fainted in the kitchen. And it turned out she had a stroke. My brother right now is in the hospital. And I'm worried about him. And I was thinking about it the other night when I was watching this. um, It was a holiday show. They were decorating their houses. It was some kind of competition. And I just thought to myself, every time I see these shows or I drive through the neighborhood with all the Christmas lights, it's something I used to enjoy. And more recently, it's just painful for me because of the grief and because of the anxiety and worrying about my family and their health. My church actually always has done a um, service called a Blue Christmas, which I loved because it focuses on the fact that we're not all happy at the holidays. A lot of us are dealing with grief. A lot of us are dealing with depression. And we struggle. And it acknowledges that. It's hard for me to focus when I have a family member in the hospital or someone who's struggling or someone who's in the process of dying and other people that I'm close to are just focused on the holidays. Well, what are we going to do for Christmas? And I just feel like I don't care. And that's hard. 
I remember the first year after my husband passed away, I did not put up a Christmas tree because I was in grief, I was struggling, and I didn't want it. And people always ask you, you know, are you ready for Christmas? Are you decorating? Yeah, showing you pictures of their Christmas tree. And I really had no interest. There are times when I feel like I wish this period from November to January were over. As soon as it, it as soon as we get into November, I'm I'm wishing for January. Um so what do I do to support myself during these times? I try to focus on what I'm grateful for. I am so grateful for my sir and everything that he provides. I'm grateful for his support and compassion with me at this time. I'm grateful for my brother and I'm grateful that my brother and I have started to build our own relationship, grow our own relationship beyond just the family. You know, as we're both adults now, I feel like we are getting to know each other in a new way as adults, and I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful that as he's been in the hospital, we've been playing words with friends together. <laughs> you know, it's it, it, 2020 adds an additional layer of concern when you have someone in the hospital because you can't go visit them. I'm not able to see him, but I can text with them. I can play a game on my phone with them. And I'm hoping that brings us both comfort. I utilize my 12-step program. I go to more meetings. I talk more with my sponsor. I talk more with my therapist than I do the rest of the year. This year, during those three months that my Sarah was off, we worked on our household manual. We now have a mission statement. We have our contract written. And I've been doing a lot of trainings online for my business and as well as kink trainings and MS trainings. It helps me stay connected. On the other hand, because there's been so many trainings and so many activities on Zoom, I can kind of get Zoomed out, get a little burnout from Zoom. So I pace myself. I have a, uh, I try to keep balance between what I'm doing online and my time with my sir. As far as boundaries with family, I am learning through therapy and through my 12-step work. I'm learning to put my needs first and put Sarah's needs first. I'm learning to say no, and that's not easy. But I do find that the more I do it and the more that I stand up for myself, the easier it starts to become, and the healthier I feel. And that raises another thought about 
how do we handle our DS relationship when we're around family? I know in the past, Sarah and I have gone to family dinners, whether it's the holidays or not, but just going to family dinners, getting together with the family, and still maintaining our dynamic. So when Sarah and I sit down to eat, he always eats first. I wait for him to take a bite of his food before I start to eat. And even before my family knew about our dynamic, I would do that when we would eat with the family. Now, what I would do a lot of times is just take my time getting my food prepared or getting something to drink for Sarah and then for myself, just kind of slowing down, taking my time watching him and then waiting to eat until he picked up his fork. But I, around family, I would just make sure I was busy doing something else so they didn't see me just sitting and waiting. And, you know, how my family found out about us mostly was just by watching us. You know, I didn't never use the terms master and slave with my family. Never even really used the terms dominant submissive. But they see how we interact. They know that if they ask me a question, I'm going to need to ask my Sarah first. They know that I go to him for decision making. And they respect that. Now, <laughs> it was really interesting. My grandmother is, my grandmother knows everything. You know, she's the one that raised me. She knows me better than I know myself. I remember when I was 18 and I started being sexually active. And I went to my grandmother and I said, I think I need to go see the gynecologist. And she just looked at me and she asked do you want to go on birth control? And I said, yes. And that was the extent of the conversation because my grandma just was really straightforward, get to the point. And, you know, that made me feel comfortable. Like I could talk to her about anything when I was growing up. And even to this day, I still feel the same way. Now she's 82 now and has dementia. So, um, it's a little harder these days, but, you know, I've always felt comfortable with her and I still do feel comfortable with her. So when Sarah and I were buying new couches for our living room, new living room furniture, I was talking to Nan about it and she gave me her opinion. She always gives me her opinion on what she thinks I should do. And I said, well, we haven't decided yet. And she said, you mean he hasn't decided yet? And we both laughed. And I said, yep. <laughs> and we just both had a good laugh about it. My grandmother just knows us that well. I think she also knew when I was dating women that I was actually dating women. Even though I would introduce my girlfriends to her as my friends. I think she knew. When I eventually came out to her as bisexual, it wasn't that much of a surprise to her. So I just love my grandma for that. Even as old as she is now, she's 82 years old and she has dementia and she's still the person that I can go to with anything.
So my point in this is just even if you're not to the point where you want to come out to your family about your lifestyle, there are still things that you can do to maintain your dynamic in front of the family, you know, waiting to eat until your sir eats. I have made the mistake of calling sir, sir in front of my family because I'm just so used to saying, hey, sir, can you pass me this, that I've done that in front of the family. And for the most part, they've ignored it. <laughs> no one has called me out on it. I think because they just know and they kind of don't want to know what, what they don't know. Or they suspect and they just don't really want to know the answer to any more questions. But I know that some people, instead of saying, yes, sir, will say, yes, hon, yes, dear. You know, they'll just use a different word for sir. Different little nicknames that they give each other. My sir and I personally don't do that, but I do know other people that do. And that is, can be really helpful. I think it's important that we maintain our dynamic, no matter what time of year it is, no matter where we are or who we may be around, that we maintain our, our dynamic. Because it helps us to stay healthy, it helps the relationship to stay healthy, and it helps us to stay healthy as individuals. At the end of every episode, I'll be asking a question for you to consider. Today's question is for those who are in a DS dynamic of any type. How do you maintain your dynamic during the holidays and around family members? And how are you maintaining it this year during the pandemic? please go to desirability.com. That's D-I-S-I-R-ability.com and share your thoughts with me. I hope you all have a wonderful holiday season. Thank you for joining. Stay well. Desirability Alt was created and hosted by me, Angela Carr. Opinions expressed are from my own personal experience or that of my guests. Did you like what you heard today? Be sure to follow Desirability Alt wherever you listen to podcasts. Until next time, you can also find me at desirability.com or on any social media at desirability. That's D-I-S-I-R ability. Thank you for sharing this journey with me.